This Irish Man Stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host as always, Jonathan Dunn. I'm on Twitter, at Freedom Disciple, at Freedom Disciple. Give me a hit comments, give me a follow. Um, any questions you have, um, send me many messages. I'll do my best to respond to you and get back to you and interact with you. Uh, apologies for not, sh- there was no show last week. Um, if you heard the show a couple of weeks ago on guns, um, you heard my voice getting worse and worse and worse. And towards the end of the show, it was a bit of a struggle to speak. So I took a week off and rested it and... Uh, as I couldn't really speak for most of the week, but I'm back today because um, we've got a lot to discuss. There's a lot of issues going on. Before we get started, though, I have a bit of a plea. Um, if you go on to my uh, page on SoundCloud, um, there's a, a short link. At the end of the gun show, I had a plea um, for my American brothers and sisters who support the Second Amendment. And there's a short clip up on SoundCloud. If you could share it with your friends and your family, it's something I'm very passionate about. I believe it is the one law that needs to be changed immediately um, with regards guns and gun control. Um, I think it's time we put a marker in the sand and go on offense on every issue and start telling our story. But on the gun issue, I think it's a travesty every day that your brave men and women can't be empowered, can't have a right to self-defense when they serve your awesome nation. And I think that is something we can do for them. So if you can share it, get it out there, get the message out there. It's not anything to do with me. This is about getting a law off the books that is horrific. So I haven't spoke to you in two weeks and there's a lot to discuss and a lot of issues have happened. And I'm going to start off on a political note, because a lot of politics has happened in the last 14 days. Mainly, Paul Ryan is to be named the Speaker of the House. You know, people ask me, publicly and privately, I've disavowed politics for a long time. This is a prime example of why I don't think America has a political solution. This is a prime example of the whole way this was brought about, the new speaker, is the problem with American politics. And the problem is that you have, to on the surface, it's liberal versus Democrat, or Democrat versus Republican, and liberal versus conservative. The truth of the matter is, and I've broken down and I've tried to explain many different times, is the issue goes so much deeper than that. You really do have a class of politicians in both parties today who don't have answers, don't have solutions, stand for absolutely nothing, and are all, their whole aim, their game, and their aim is to the status quo. Let's just grow government, let's protect it. Let's protect the power we have and where we can expand and grow our power and our influence in other areas. So, just to give a brief recap, in case you've lived under a rock or you haven't heard the political news, John Boehner's out as Speaker of the House. He's resigning. And there's a lot of back and fro of who it is and who it wasn't. 
But the Freedom Caucus claimed to have a loss of influence over this decision, and the details are remain sketchy, but he's resigned. And the Freedom Caucus then didn't have a plan. They seemed to... The plan was to get rid of Boehner. And because, you know, this whole attitude, well, anybody but Boehner. Anybody but Boehner. Anyone is better. A frog would be better than John Boehner in the in the in this as speaker. Instead of using it as an opportunity to win and go, we want rid of John Boehner, but this is the person we want. This is the guy or girl. We want them as speaker. They're conservative. They've got good principles. They understand the problems. They understand the mood of the American people. We're going to get them in as speaker. Nope. It's the same old game. And now Paul Ryan is speaker, not much will change. In fact, you can make an argument that things are going to get worse. Because I've never heard... You know, just let's forget the politics of this for a second. Do you know anyone who can take a job and say, I'm taking this job, but you have never got a right to remove me from it. Can you imagine going to your boss, just for kicks and giggles, someone goes to their boss tomorrow and go, or Monday when you listen, uh, when you get back to work, if you don't work weekends. Hey, I'm taking this job, but you know, no matter what I job I do, good or bad, you can't remove me. You can't fire me. Can you imagine your employer's reaction? I know if, if I said that to my boss, my boss would laugh. Um, because it's just the way it is. But the whole arrogance of, I'm taking this job now and I've got your endorsement, but you can't ever challenge me. I'm sorry, you're a human being just like me and you. You're, we're all created equal. If I see you're wrong, I'm going to point it out to you and I'm going to challenge you each and every time. But here's the bigger issue. The bigger issue for me is that, quote-unquote, we can put fancy labels on something. The left have been doing this and the status have done this for, for years. You know, they give all these bills in Washington, you know, the, the Clean Air Act. You know, if, and if you dare say, well, is it really a good idea the EPA is more involved in, in, in coal and in mining and in, in our pollution? Is it a good idea? Maybe I don't really want the EPA involved in that. Oh my God, you're against the clean air. You want dirty air and dirty water. Or these bills, like you know, the 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 the, the Equality for Women Act, or the Lily Ledbetter Act, you know, where women have to get the same pay. If you dare oppose government getting involved, you're anti-woman. They put these labels on it to make you feel that if you go against them, we'll demonise you. And I, the right are now starting to play these games, and they go, well, let's give ourselves a name. We'll call ourselves the the Liberty Caucus. Or the Freedom Caucus, or whatever their name is. And yet, look what they've done. Apparently, 80% have voted for Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, the man, has never met a bailout he didn't like. The man who campaigns and goes around with Luis Gutierrez. The guy who's for amnesty. The guy who became... I don't know whether he became famous, but it helped his quote-unquote conservative credentials about five, six years ago when he said, I'm in here in Washington and we have about two years to fix this budget problem or else we're going to, America's gone down the swanee. 
and it got he came up with these plans and he worked on Medicaid and he reached across the aisle and he put all these plans together and yet now never speaks about any of them never speaks about growing government the man who when he was running with Mitt Romney said we don't need to redefine our principles we need to reapply them speaking about your founding principles yet look at how he acts today it's all the same mantra government 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 I'm your friend I'm here I'm the government and I'm here to help so that is the Republicans solution I'm gonna talk to you today because I want to be brutally honest I've said this many times and you're probably sick of hearing it but politics isn't what makes America unique politics isn't what makes America exceptionalism it happens because of your people there's a famous quote and I think it's true and I think it's something we all need to think about it's something I try and think of because I'm done with politics as I've said many times but the quote is Margaret Thatcher first you win the argument then you win the vote I would ask you to stop and think this weekend when was the last time a conservative won the argument when was it that we just focused solely on the argument and won it won it on principle put our principles forward explain them and then we concentrated on now let's win this let's win the vote or do we always put the cart before the horse and it's always about the next election it's always about that vote it's always about getting that party in the house the republicans need the house 2010 done the republicans need the senate 2014 done and now what's the line 2016 well the republicans just need the white house and the republicans are saying we just need jeb bush in the white house mind you with his polling recently it might be someone else coming up soon but it's all about winning the vote we're putting the cart before the horse when was the last time we won an argument and I'd like you to think about something because in the next segment I want to break down a, a, an issue I hear time and time again about electability but when was the last time you won an argument and I want to give you an example of why winning the argument is so important close your eyes for a second Never who your candidate is, let's say they're in the White House. Whether it's Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, ever who else is there is, uh, John Kasich, uh, Lindsey Graham, ever who else is left. I apologize, I've forgotten a few. Rand Paul, Rick Santorum, Bobby Jindal, ever who it is. And I would ask you to think of the most contentious issue that you think is out there the most divisive let me give you a few of examples that will always cause great division abortion so your president says no more abortions abortions are illegal okay or how about the minimum wage no more minimum wage government shouldn't tell companies or individuals what they have to work for as the minimum we're cutting it. It's gone. See it. 
or an issue on a, a government program, Medicare, Medicaid, it's been cut. Or some other program, funding for local roads and local bridges from the State Department, from the, the federal government, sorry, not the State Department, the federal budget. Money from the state to pay for your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel. Whatever big issue is in your mind that's really contentious. Now, think of the media coverage that would get. And how that would play out in the media. All the attacks. All the hate. All the divisiveness stirring up trouble. Who's there to defend the president? Or not even defending the president. Defending the principle behind it. If all you do is win the vote. And then the vote goes your way. And that person acts like they said they would. They didn't actually break their campaign promises. Which again has become the norm. But they actually follow through on their promises. They do what they said they were going to do. How do you win the argument? How do you win the argument? The most important people in this argument is each and every one of you listening. And all the American people. That is where the argument has been lost. That is where the argument can be won. Where you think of interactions that don't even mean anything to you. But you talking to your friends. You talking to your family. You talking to your people in your community. You talking to people in your church. And laying the groundwork. So when your new president gets in. And he does the plans that you want. And that you think are the most divisive. That you have the arguments. You have the seeds sown. Under the soil. That can bud up with a president. Comes into power. And actually makes those plans a reality. How many people are actually doing that? By the way, what I am saying is what helped found America. Except the, pe- the role of the people that I talk about today was played by your pulpits. Do you think the founders just came up with, hey, yeah, all men are created equal? Do you think that just came up? And when they did write it in the Declaration of Independence, how do you think it was accepted when it was read through all the colonies? Oh yeah, all men are created equal. And endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. How do you think that was accepted? Do you think it was the first time the colonists, the colonists had heard that language? No, they heard it from your pulpits. The seeds were already sown in the soil. They were there. They were just waiting to bud. And then your founders came along with the Declaration of Independence. And then it budded out. And people acted upon it. That is the role we must play. That is the role I want to play. We must win an argument. I'm going to close this segment out by just asking, giving an answer to a question. Glenn Beck, if you, I'm sure you've watched him, has had many interviews over the last couple of weeks with presidential candidates. And in his quick fire round, he's asked the same question to everyone that I've seen. You know, what's name one thing the Republican Party has done dreadfully in the last few years? Very simple. It's make an argument. 
win an argument differentiate yourself stand for principles and credit where credit's due whether you like him or you don't like him or you agree with him or you disagree with him there's one candidate out there who is actually making a big effort and, and actually trying to win arguments in places that you wouldn't expect them and that's Rand Paul now I'm no Rand Paul fan but credit where credit's due going out to colleges and, and making a liberty argument sowing those seeds so that if and when he is president or another Liberty supporter is president, those seeds can then be turned into beautiful flowers. But the fact remains that without the seeds been sown into the soil, nothing can grow. It is very foolish, and I hate if that annoys people, I apologise, but it is very foolish to think that you get a new president and that president you like all of a sudden these flowers are just going to appear and these bushes are going to appear just out of nowhere because they're elected and they're going to solve all the problems. They won't. If America is to survive, the future is in the people's hands, not in any politician's hands. That I firmly believe. Now, you have to understand and embrace that. That is a great empowerment that you have as an individual. It's up to you what you want to do with it. What seeds do you want to sow? Or do you want to sow any seeds? It's something to think about. I've got to take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. I hope you'll stick with me. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. America WK with your host, Andrew WK. There are these moments when you are compelled to do things that defy your own logic, that defy your own taste, that defy defy your own preferences. You wind up doing things that you don't like to do, and yet you like doing them almost because of it. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on Twitter, at Freedom Disciple. Give me a follow, give me a comment, give me a message. Um, I really appreciate anybody who takes the time out to to engage with me. Um, I love engaging with you, um, sharing my love for your awesome nation. Um, But if I'm wrong, please feel free to point it out. Tell me where you think I'm wrong, where you disagree. I'll always be civil, um, and we'll always have a, a lively debate, um, either publicly or privately. There's one comment I hear, and I've heard it for 15 years, since I started getting involved in American politics. And it's been applied to different candidates over the years, when they run for House, when they run for Senate, and now when they run for uh, President. And you, you've, you've heard of this comment time and time again. It gets said in the media. It gets said by your friends. You might have even taught it at times. I like so-and-so. But they're just too conservative. They can't win. 
Sometimes it's said now about Ted Cruz. I like Ted Cruz, but. I like so-and-so, but. And I hear this, you know, that moderates can only win. That only, you know, the weaky, squishy, if we run to the middle, we you win elections. And I'm going to talk to you, not in opinion, not in what I think or what I feel. I'm going to talk to you in absolute facts. Facts that are undeniable. That says, this thinking is nothing more than political spin and hogwash. And I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm going to prove it to you in facts. But I'd like you to sit back and relax. Because I want to tell it to you in a story form. And it's a story that needs to be told to every generation. Or every set of people who mightn't have lived through this period of time. Or live through or understand this part of history. And the story is of Ronald Reagan. And most people when they talk about Ronald Reagan. They talk about 1980. But the Ronald Reagan story starts a lot further farther back. You, know, you can make an argument that the Ronald Reagan story starts in the Barry Goldwater campaign. And his famous, it's a time for choosing speech. But I'm going to start today in 1976. 1976, America is in a few problems. Your presidency... You could make an argument around the 1976 election. The presidency had more, not the president, the actual person, but the, the house, had a lot of question marks around it um, with regards to Richard Nixon and, and how he handled himself and getting impeached. It caused a big cloud over the White House. So Gerald Ford is sworn in as president. And in 1975, Ronald Reagan said... I'm going to challenge him. Now just put that aside for a minute and just think. Whether you like Ronald Reagan or whether you don't. Whether you're liberal or republican or conservative or progressive. Challenging a sitting president for the nomination takes a lot of guts. Because you know the chances are if you lose and you get hammered, you get destroyed. Your future is over. Like where do you go from there? And everybody will always remember you as that little upstart who said I'm going to challenge the sitting president. So 1975 draws around and he puts it together and says I'm challenging you Mr. Ford for the election. And what happens? Well, what happens is Gerald Ford starts off strong. And I'd like you to think about things today, especially from today's context, because that race was between Gerald Ford and Ronald Reagan. And I want to read out to you just some of the results. January 19th, Iowa, first primary. Gerald Ford wins 45-42. It went on to New Hampshire in February 24, nearly a month and a few days later. And Ford wins again, 49-47. Got a bit closer. Went on to March 2nd, Massachusetts. Ford destroys him, 61-33. Again, March 2nd, Vermont. Doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things to the Republicans. But you got Reagan gets destroyed, 
Then you move on to a battleground state as we'd know today, Florida, March 9th. And Ford wins 50, nearly 53-47. And then they go to Liberal, Illinois, March 16th, 58-40. First point, think about that in today's context. You're challenging a sitting president and you get to six primaries and you lose every single one of them. Today people are pulling out three, four, five months before an an actual vote is cast in their name because they think they can't win. Think of it today in where if you don't have success immediately, you're gone. Reagan lost the first six states and he kept going. He lost them but he still believed. And around March 16th, it was becoming, there were rumors, and you got to bear in mind this is 1976. There wasn't Facebook and Twitter and new media like The Blaze and different sites where, you know, like Drudge, where you have access to all this information. But it was coming out slowly and surely that Ronald Reagan was having money problems. You'd expect that. You're, you know, you're going up against the sitting president. Just think of that for a second. Who puts their money behind a candidate? Yes, he was governor of California, but, you know, you put your money against a sitting president. That takes a lot of guts for the people to do, and his sponsors. But it was pretty much obvious to everyone at the time, March 23rd in North Carolina, if Reagan didn't do well, the campaign was over. And it could have so easily happened. And what, how would history have changed? Because if he had lost the first seven states and then pulled out, would there have been a Reagan, Reagan candidacy in 1980? You could make an argument that probably wouldn't have been. But March 23rd, he won 52-45. But then it goes back to normal. April 6th, there's a primary in Wisconsin. He loses 55-44. Pennsylvania, April 27th, he gets walloped, 93-5. Again, the doubts start lingering in. Who puts their money at that point? Who's saying, you know what, that Reagan guy, he's good. Yes, he's lost 7 out of 9, or 8 out of 9 first primaries. Who's giving him money? Who's backing him? Who's coming out in public support going, Ronald Reagan, he's my guy. But Ronald Reagan kept going. And the tide slowly turns. He had many impressive victories May 1st in Texas. 66-33. Georgia, Indiana, Nebraska, Arkansas, Idaho, Nevada, Montana, South Dakota, and California. It got to the point where the 1976 convention, it wasn't sure who the Republican nominee was. Would it be Reagan? Would it be Ford? The state's count was 27-23 in the favour of Gerald Ford. That took so much guts and so much internal belief not to give up. From both Ronald Reagan, his campaign staff, his back financial backers, but also you, the American people. It took that belief Now, sadly, we all know how that story ended. 
Gerald Ford went on and became the nomination and went on to lose to Jimmy Carter. There was a documentary, on, just on a side point, there was a documentary done about Reagan a couple of years ago. And they interviewed all the journalists and the spin writers and the political pundits of the day. And they, there was a quote in it which I'll never forget. It stayed with me forever. And it was a quote that the guy, this guy, he was I don't know who he was, I can't remember. I think he was a, a pundit of some description. But he was travelling with Ronald Reagan the day after the 1976 convention. And he was travelling on the plane with him and he had his ticket there. And he said, Mr. Reagan, could I ask you to sign my ticket? And he wrote a message on it that has lived with me forever. We dreamt, we fought, but the dream is still alive. The dream is still alive. That dream today is still alive today. Because you, the American people, will decide who and when your next president is. That is a fight that you can win. You can change things by who you nominate and who you elect. But it all boils down to what I said about in the first segment. What seeds are you planting in the ground? What seeds are you planting that when the next Ronald Reagan comes along and he speaks about a city on a shining hill. What seeds are you planting that people will actually understand it? Why is America exceptional? You know, I used to ask when I used to do radio on, on We Are America Radio and we'd interview different candidates. One question I'd ask for everyone, politician, charity worker, people writing books. Do you believe America is the greatest country in the world? And if so, why? Because I don't think that seed has been sown enough for the younger generation, for the older generation, for everyone. America is a shining city on a hill. But why? We don't sow those seeds anymore. We don't sow the seeds or as good anymore as we did about the Constitution. About principles. About God-given rights. But that was the 1976 election. I'm going to take a quick break, America. But I hope you'll stick with me because I'm going to go deeper in to the, and argue against the point of that you're too conservative, you just can't win. And I'm going to give you the facts, not opinion, facts of why that is purely hogwash. I'll be right back, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Severin. You know, Guru Jay sees things that haunt him. Guru Jay say, I see politically dead people, unholy cow. And when you hear that there's a Rand Paul death watch, well, maybe the best way to put this is, what does Rand Paul have at stake tonight? Rand Paul has at stake tonight shutting people up who are talking about a Rand Paul death watch. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This 
Kingdom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks so much for sticking with me, America. I want to break this myth because it really annoys me, and I wanted to give you the facts. So the next time you hear someone say, I like Ted Cruz, but... I like Rand Paul, but... I like Ben Carson, but... They just can't win. I like Ted Cruz, but gosh, he's just so goddamn conservative. He just won't win. He won't appeal. No moderates will vote for him. I'll answer that first by just talking in language that you'll understand. Does anyone remember the Clinton Republicans? Does anyone remember the George Herbert Walker Bush Democrats? Do you remember the George W. Bush Democrats? Do you remember the Barack Obama Republicans? I don't. I sure do remember the Reagan Democrats, though. There's one little point to prove that, well, conservatives can't win. Second point, and I want I'm not I apologize if I bombard you with numbers, but I just want to give you the actual facts that prove well they're too conservative they can't win or conservatives don't have mass appeal or conservatives just you know they just they won't reach anybody. I'm gonna give you the actual figures. So we started with the history of Ronald Reagan, nineteen seventy six. So I think it's a good place to start. 1976 election, James Carter, 297 electoral votes, Gerald Ford, 240. So Carter wins by 57 electoral votes. 1980, Ronald Reagan runs yet again for president, runs against George Bush, beats George Bush. And becomes the Republican nominee. And yet again for a second time in four years has to go against the sitting president. And what does Reagan do? Well Reagan absolutely annihilates James Carter. In one of the biggest wins in US history. He wins the Electoral College 489 to 49. Gaining 91% of the electoral votes. He annihilated him. A conservative who actually wins. But that wasn't enough because the Reagan recovery was so good and lasted for so long that he went against Walter Mondale in 1984. And you thought he beat Carter a lot? Well, he destroyed Walter Mondale. He destroyed him so much that it was 525 to 13. And the one state Walter Mondale won was 49.72 to 49.54. His home state of Minnesota. His home state saved him from a whitewash. Show me the Republican who has done that. 
So Reagan went and turned a deficit in the Electoral College from 297 to 240, all the way up to 489 to 49. And then in 84, he won 525 votes. That's pretty much as good as you can get. What have the Republican candidates done since? Well, you know about George Bush in 1988? He beat Michael Dukakis. He beat him 426 to 111. Then we all know the story of 1992 election, Ross Perot, George Bush and Bill Clinton. But Bill Clinton easily beats George Bush. 370 to 168. 1996, Clinton beats Dole. 379, 159. Again, a very comfortable win, but nothing compared to what Ronald Reagan did. Then we have the contested election of 2000. George Bush and Al Gore. 271 to 266, a mere five votes. Florida becoming the, the big vote. And the big controversy. Again, which the Republicans, through their own stupidity, could have actually lost. Um, because they argued the wrong premise in the Supreme Court. But that's a story for another day. 2004. George Bush versus John Kerry. George Bush did everything in his possible to lose to John Kerry, but he didn't. It was one of the most dramatic dreadful campaigns I think I've ever seen um, it was shocking because John Kerry was all over the place yet he only beat him 286 to 250 won a mere 37 vote difference a long way away from the Republican conservative who can't win and conservatives who have no outreach a long way from 1988 by winning by 512 electoral votes 2008, sorry. Barack Obama, John McCain. Barack Obama, again, winning easily. 365 to 173. 188 vote difference. But nowhere near President Reagan. And then we all remember 2012, recent history. 332 to 206. So for a conservative who can't win... And conservatives have no mass appeal. They sure do destroy that myth through the Electoral College. Show me the Republican win where they got all states bar one. Or heck, even about the two, 489 to 49. Show me those Republican wins. Show me them. I'd love to see them. Because I don't see them. But I do see a Ronald Reagan. The second point I would like to make. And again these are not opinion. These are facts. Is the actual vote. Because people can say. Well that's electoral college. It means nothing. And I don't like the electoral college. I actually do. But that's a different point. There are people who don't. And there are people who want a popular vote. Okay. Well, let's go with the popular vote. Because the facts don't lie. The numbers are in stone. The Conservatives just can't win. They can't have mass appeal. They can't get anything. Okay. Well, was Ronald Reagan Conservative? I think he was. 
1984, nearly 54.5 million people voted for him. 54.5 million. 1988, the Republican candidate got 48.8 million. 92, 39 million. 96, 39 million. 2000, 50 million. 2004, 62 million. 2008, 59 million. And 2012, 60 million. So that means only 2008, 2004 and 2012 did the Republican candidate get more actual votes than Ronald Reagan in 1984. Now I'll ask you to bear one thing in mind. The population difference. And this is where the actual facts and figures show where the Republicans have missed out. According to the US Census, in 1984, there were 235 million Americans. Yes, in 2012, or 2010, the last one, it was 310 million. So that means there's an extra 75 million people living in America. And yet the Republican can only get an extra 6 million people voting for him. Those figures are staggering. Those figures show, you know what? A weak, moderate, squishy, in the middle, rhino Republican can't win but a conservative sure can let me just repeat those figures for you Mitt Romney got 60 million people to vote for him 5.5 million more people than Ronald Reagan got to vote for him in 1984 yet the population during that time grew by 75 million people that my friends is telling that my friends tells me this logic and there is no logic but this opinion and spin that a conservative can't win well the facts don't back it up the facts don't back it up how about America prove me wrong and nominate a conservative in 2016 and let's see what the outcome will be. Now I'm not foolish enough or I'm not saying that you know you elect the conservative and you know you'll have another 525-13 electoral college electoral vote college win on your hands. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying is the Republicans have always been in close elections and their success has been dreadful over the last 20 years let's go a different course let's chart a new way let's take a different direction a direction that led to success in the past and will lead to success again in the future because the thing you've got to bear in mind 
is when you say those principles can't win that those conservative principles can't win try say that to someone who is living under the tyranny of a democrat in a democrat state oh I'd like to help you but you know people just won't vote for us and we just we'll give up we can't achieve the principles we want so we're just going to give up it isn't about winning it's about standing and doing the right thing does anyone really think that Ronald Reagan would have won in 1980 had he not run in 1976 yet in 1976 he lost it's about as he said we fought we dreamt but the dream is still alive the time right now is to dream and fight and fight on principles not to win fight on the principles that you know in your heart of hearts are right I gotta take one more quick break America I hope you'll stick with me I'll be right back this is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network Mike Slater. Income, mobility. When anyone, ever anyone talks about income inequality, first of all, say there's nothing inherently bad about income inequality. There's nothing inherently good about it. It just is. Uh, but there's certainly nothing bad about it. And immediately change the subject to income mobility. And the truth is that income mobility is thriving in America just as much as it ever has before. And that's good news. Now, it can do better. Absolutely. But that's more freedom, not more government. Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me today, Merrick. I hope today's show has given you some insight and has given you some facts and figures. I'll be posting all the links to the show on my website, freedomsdisciple.com, if you want any of the facts and figures behind where I got the the figures today. They'll be posted underneath the show on Monday. Um, I wanted to do this show, I felt it was very important because we have to break down the spin and lies that are out there. We need to break down in a nice, kind, humble way the lies that are out there. And we need to start sharing the good news and the answers and the real answers. Especially something like that, that you know the history of elections and presidential elections because a certain candidate can't win that's nothing more than a feeling and I would like to say this because I think it's important I don't like certain candidates I'm very against there's one candidate I fear for um, because he's the front runner at the minute he's leading in all the polls but I only ever try and highlight the problems to you I'm not trying to get you to think like me you ever who your candidate is, or if you don't have one, find one. Get involved. Um, do what you have to do. I always encourage that, regardless of whether I like your candidate or not. Get involved. But to bring, always try, and I always try and do, is to bring the conversation back to the principles. 
Just because I disagree with a certain candidate doesn't mean it's a personal attack. It might just mean that I see things different and I don't like the principles they stand for. I want to close out today's show because with a biblical point. Because I think it's very key to, one, what I've been talking about today and how I started today's show. But two, I think you're starting to see a pattern emerge in politics and in life is that we are firmly entrenched I believe right now in the era of man's law the era of man that says yeah I can think one thing today and we can act upon it but you know in five years time I I can have a total transformation and change my opinion and I'll just go with the flow perfect example of this and I'm not attacking but just as a perfect example of this is if, if you look at how Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, anyone else talked about gay marriage. 2008, Obama said, oh, it's, I see marriage as one man, one woman. I think it was 2004, Hillary Clinton said, it's a fundamental bedrock that you build your society on. Today, look at what they're saying. I'm not saying that to attack them or to bring up gay marriage as an issue. I'm bringing it up to point out something. When you live in man's law, nothing is sacred. Nothing is concrete. In biblical terms, everything is built on sand. It offers no security for anybody. Because it can change as quickly as it changed in your favour. So just because gay marriage is popular today, and everyone sees it as a civil right... It's not secure for in 5, 10, 20 years down the road that people will see it that way. And it could easily change right back around. The biblical principle I want to talk to you today about, it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And I just want to read it out to you. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been built on and been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and its fall was great. Now I'm not saying using this as a biblical principle to say follow God's message if you can brilliant I I strongly encourage it but I want to get to the principle of the thing of that story it's time we built our foundations on rock your founders did it in your bill of rights and your declaration of independence what's a fundamental principle that America believes on that is built on rock let me give you a first one The First Amendment. I believe you have a right to free speech and no one should be able to shut you up. That's a principle that should be the same and should be agreed by Republicans, Democrats, Liberals, Conservatives, everyone across the board. It's a principle we can all should be able to unite on. Because it says a Republican can't tell a Democrat to shut up, a Democrat can't tell a Republican to shut up, or vice versa, or to a Conservative or to a Liberal. It's a fundamental principle. It's built on rock. 
you should be have a right to free speech whether the year is 1776 1791 1860 1980 or 2015 if we build and offer our seeds built on the foundations of rock the principles win but if we offer solutions especially because the Democrats are offering a lot of these solutions which are built on sand they're built on sand and when the storms come and the rain comes they just all blow away or when the storm comes I heard a great analogy the other day they're like a leaf in the storm they'll go whatever way the wind blows that is man's law if it's popular I'll go with it if it's not popular I ain't risking my neck Whereas when you build the foundations on rock, they're universal. They're the same today, tomorrow. And they'll be the same in 2115. If they're really that good, they don't change. Please think about this. And think about the principles you want to promote. What are your principles that you believe are on stone? Or are the principles just because, well, I'm for... Ted Cruz to get elected so I'm going to go with all his principles and I dare not disagree or Donald Trump or Rand Paul or Jeb Bush ever who your candidate is the time to make your principles based on morals on rock and on foundations is right now that is how we win and when I say we win I don't mean a political person or a candidate or a party. I mean people. If we base our principles, everyone will win. The American people will win and the world will win. We need to share that message and be the example. Because I may be one of the few or I may be one of the many, but I still believe America is a shining city on a hill. The reason Ronald Reagan's words that I shared that quick story with you earlier on is because I believe in it. We dreamt, we fought, the dream is still alive. That dream for me is still alive. I still believe in your country. I believe in your country not because of your politicians or because of who's in the White House. I believe in your country because of your constitution, your way of life and your people. Your people is what separates you from the rest of the world. And I still believe you can be a beacon of light and hope for the world. That dream is still alive. It might be fading and fading rapidly at times. But that dream is still alive. Is it still alive in your heart? I hope so. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I hope I've given you some food for thought. I thank you so much for tuning in. Please, if you can, share this show or any of the other shows with your friends and family. I really appreciate any support I can get. I really hope this gets me to America so I can serve your country in other ways. As always, I will salute the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel and the vets. Thank you for your service. And most importantly, I salute you, the great American people. You are part of the generation that will make America great again and make this world a better place. God bless you and God bless America. 
Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. 